Hey everybody, welcome to Canturi and you, you, what's up users? And that's users spelled Y-E-W-S-E-R-S. What's up users? <laughs> that sounds bad, but it's actually an awesome thing in this case. Uh, welcome to the show. Before we get into our interview with Ralph Rubio, Ralph and I have known each other for decades. I do want to uh, thank our sponsors, South Coast, another institution, much like uh, Rubio's, South Coast. They've been in town since 1974. They're friggin' awesome. Five locations in San Diego between PB and OB. They've got two wahini shops just for the ladies. My uh, wife surfs, or surfs there, shops there all the time, and especially for my daughter. We get all her clothes at the wahini shops, specifically the one at Crystal Pier in PB. And I, personally, I get all, all my clothes at South Coast. It really is the best place to get surf attire or surf clothing. They've got uh, all major brands, lines, including their own South Coast line. And uh, if you can't make it to one of their shops, brick and mortars, check them out online at southcoast.com. Again, whether it's South Coast or any other local surf shop, there are plenty here in town. What's up, Bird? Uh, support your local surf shops before you go to uh, you go to Amazon, okay? So if you're like, oh, my kid needs a new shirt, he wants a new whatever shirt, I'm going to go get him a t-shirt, don't go to Amazon. I know it's easy and I know it's sexy to have somebody deliver something the same day. Go down to the surf shop, meet the crew down there, talk story, and buy your clothes. All right, what else? ToriHolistics.com. Tory Holistics, one of a handful of legal licensed medical marijuana collectives here in San Diego. They're legit above the bar. They pay their taxes and uh, they're committed and dedicated to the cause when it comes to this whole movement, whether it's for medic uh, medicinal use or as we seg over to recreational use in the new year, which is going to be friggin' crazy. But on the medicinal side, a uh, huge proponent of CBDs and the value that you can get from CBDs to help with things like uh, anxiety, PTSD, anti-inflammation. There's just the list goes on and on. I mean, people use products for a variety of reasons. You've heard the stories about seizures and stuff. But over at Tori, they have all the different products that can help you with these issues, if you will. And if you're not down with smoking, no sweat. They've got edibles, vape products, what have you, ToriHolistics.com. All right, so before we talk to Ralph here, it's been a very interesting week since I last talked to you guys. Obviously, it's been announced. <laughs> announced. I'm on the air now over at 1090, Mighty 1090 here. It's been weird, the transition, for a variety of reasons. The first being um, something I've addressed on the show, but for some reason, it's way more comfortable doing it in this forum versus on the radio public platform. But... Um, yeah, it was hard at first because that article in the UT talking about what we're doing here came out where I made these really polarizing statements against radio, and then I go back to radio, and just I felt like a giant hypocrite, obviously. And the words have been thrown in my face time and time and time again, and I knew they would. When the article came out, my wife said the first thing, she's like, oh, shit, when she read it, because at that point, I hadn't even signed on with... Uh, the Mighty 1090, she was actually concerned that that article, that the folks over at the Mighty 1090 were going to say, you know what, I'm not sure we want to work with the dude. He just friggin' called radio the Antichrist. But again, I know you guys get it and ladies get it because it was all within the context of what was happening here behind the scenes with Woods. Woods, as you guys know, since day one, all he's been focused on is getting back on the air, which is exactly what he should be doing. 
He's extremely talented. He's semi-new to the industry. And he has a lot more to do in the industry. I have supported dude. I love the guy. I'm his biggest friggin' fan. If you actually read or heard, not read, the rest of the interview, because again, it was within the context of my relationship with Woods, where I said, Woods looks at radio as the savior. I look at radio as the Antichrist. I was, we were recording a podcast with a UT reporter. It wasn't really said where she's sitting there with a pad and we're in the UT offices. It was within a show. It was a moment that was pulled out. I gave her the audio. And uh, even though we never released that audio, we were going to do it initially for our Patreon listeners and supporters. It just never went there because we broke up, if you will. And it never got to that point. Yet the UT reporter did the story ran with that quote, and I understand why she did. You know, I was used in that story as a, much like I was using Woods, as a juxtaposition to traditional radio, yet there was more context to it. You know, aside from my relationship with Woods, I do support radio. I wouldn't be back on it if I didn't. It just hasn't, it hasn't worked for me when I just devote all of my focus and attention to just radio. It backfires, man. When I put radio, when I bet the farm on radio, guess what happens? The station flips to Christian. Guess what happens? I get blown out out of nowhere. Guess what happens? Things aren't re-signed after 11 years of service. Yes, in my world, it's been a rocky, unpredictable, I carry guilt, what I put my wife and my family through. You know, my kids talk about their dad getting fired like it's common speak. That's not cool. I didn't know that stuff when I was a kid with my dad. My dad was gainfully employed and had the same job and still has the same job for 35 years. I never knew the word fired. You know, my kids, can't, you know, they know their dad is someone who just is in and out of work. So that's where that quote came from. But again, there was more to the story. The whole thing about you online and what we're doing here is connecting it to traditional media. That's exactly what I want to do. Of course, I want to keep it as a separate platform, and it's always going to be that. But how are we going to spread awareness? I still believe in traditional, and traditional can help spread awareness, especially if I'm hosting my own show and involving people from the U Network. But it's been tough, man, because again, I got so, and from close friends, you know, People hitting me up. Welcome back to the devil. You know, Lucifer welcomes you back with open arms. Welcome back to the Antichrist. You, friends. It's interesting because the people who had the biggest problem with the quote were either A, people who work in radio, or B, people who work in radio and have been gainfully employed in radio the last 10 years. But, uh, ma'am, I'm stoked to have a job. <laughs> <laughs> I need revenue while we're building you media and we're out looking for financing. And I've always said, if I got back on the radio, I'd want to do something different. Is there anything more different and challenging, trust me, than hosting a three-hour talk radio show five nights a week from 6 to 9 p.m. on a sports talk station? So it's different. It excites me. But... It's scary as balls, especially, especially being out there alone. I can't even tell you. It's night and it's so different than hosting a morning show where you play X amount of songs an hour and you've got your best friend or a group of best friends sitting across from you. 
if I had a name for the feeling, <laughs> I would say uh, I would say it's the same name as that TV show that I was talking about with Chris Cote, uh, Naked and Afraid. That's that's what it's like every night signing on for the time being. And I know it'll I know I'll feel more comfortable, but right now it's naked and afraid. Now when I say afraid, I'm not in there shitting my pants. I'm just saying it's not the most comfortable space. My comfort zone do an alternative morning radio, playing good alternative music, handpicked at times by yours truly, and infusing it with good original content, not shitty music or the same music over and over again, and crappy ideas and friggin' dumb bits that have been done for friggin' 25 years that no one wants to hear. Yes, I've outgrown that. But talk radio, something different. We'll see how it goes. That's kind of how I live my life now, one day at a time, being kind to others, myself, my family, nurturing relationships, being real authentic and honest, and we'll see where it goes. Future's undetermined, man, right? How can you bank on future? You can't. The past, it's the past, man, not even real. And in a lot of cases, there's too much toxicity in the past. The present is all you got. Future doesn't even exist. So thanks for hanging with me in the present. Pump to talk to Ralph Rubio. Here we go. Cool is this? So an old friend is in the room. What's up, Ralph Rubio? Hey, Chris Cantori. How are you, man? I'm great. Uh, got a lot of different things going on in my world, and it's so exciting to re-engage and yeah. hang with you with all these changes happening. It's like, hey, welcome to the new platform. Yeah, I love it. No, I love change, and uh, this is incredible what's going on down here in right? Mario Logan. Yeah, we're down here at Iron Fist. That's where I host Cantori and you, and that's where our network is based. And it's so rad that you came down to the neighborhood. Has it been a while since you've been down here? It, it has been a while. Actually, um, I don't come quite this far south. Um, my wife and I are involved with Monarch School. I may have talked to you about oh, that. Oh, yeah. School for Homeless Kids um, just down the block. And uh, they have their new campus there, I think, as of uh, four years ago. Sure. But we started um, participating with them years ago when they were on Cedar Street. We actually, Rubio's and other businesses led by us, partnered uh, to build a restaurant on campus that was staffed and run by the kids and all the no profits way. went to them. And it was called Cabo Cafe, you know, the whole Baja theme. And this is still going on over No, there? actually, it lasted for about 10 years and then oh, okay. they needed the classroom space and it, was, it wasn't a great restaurant location by virtue of the fact it didn't have parking. So right. that was... But we did a breakfast and lunch for quite a while, and it was it was a great opportunity for a lot of the kids. It was their first job and, a, cool. and a payroll check. So they right, loved it. yeah, that's awesome. So uh, tell me about uh, where you're at right now with Rubio's, because it seems like you guys are constantly reinventing yourself, and and not in a bad way. I was just in the restaurant, and it's so funny that you're here today, because I met my wife at the mall. We were over at Fashion Valley. And uh, you've got the location over there. Yes. And I go in to get my huge, you know, I get my to my fish tacos. <laughs> and uh, I was like, whoa, where's the mahi-mahi? And you're uh, like, oh, yeah. no, we've got a hold on the mahi-mahi. And they right. went on this whole conservation tip with me. Right. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, that, I thought it was great how dialed in oh, and yeah. connected your employees are to the current message and what you guys are doing. Absolutely. And that's what I'm talking about as far as the reinvention. It seems like you're really taking a different approach 
when it comes to the environment and protecting the fish, right? Yeah, well, Rubio's has always been about, you know, sustainable practices. You know, we've always served uh, a lot of seafood, starting with the original fish taco that made sure. us famous. But um, our, our as part of the rebranding that we've done recently, we, we wanted to leverage that our signature product in the beer battered fish tacos that I got the you know the oh, the, no, the idea down in Baja to grilled fish so the grilled, pesky combo. grilled fish tacos you know uh, coho salmon mahi mahi and the reason we don't have mahi now is because there's a worldwide shortage so hopefully in the upcoming seasons um, you know later this year in the summer. Uh, mahi will come back and we can bring it back on the menu early next year but for now we've substituted ono or wahoo right. which is a wonderful white fish is delicious and so yeah we're, the vast majority of the seafood we serve at rubio's is certified sustainable yeah and uh and so that's important to us you know and uh, whether it's wild caught or farm raised and most of the seafood that we serve is wild caught and so you know, the, a lot of the fisheries are under pressure because, you know, the demand for seafood worldwide is growing. I can't, and I want, and I did want to ask you about this mm -hmm. because I've noticed these poke places popping yeah. up everywhere. Right. And I say to myself, how is this model going to sustain? Is there right. enough tuna to support <laughs> all a, these pokey spots? That's an excellent question. I, I was, you know, I don't know. I think like self-serve yogurt and some other things. I don't think it is sustainable. I don't either. I, yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of a fad. Me too. Um, it, it's a wonderful occasion to, to, to have a poke bowl. Oh, you know, I love them. I love them. I dude, mean, they're, they're delicious. They're fresh, delicious, tasty. And you can find great spots, but I'm also concerned about where's this fish coming from? That's a because great I, question. I hold raw fish to a different standard right. than I do cooked fish. Sure. And then enough. that's where my mind starts spinning down and I get all OCD on it. Yeah. And I'm like... <laughs> Is there gonna? Is there enough tuna? Is there enough tuna to sustain? Yeah, I probably not. I don't think so either. Probably not. And then you hear all that weird stuff about the the radiation in Japan and the fish. I'm like, <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. I just want to eat a freaking poke burrito. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no, maybe a poke one day at Rubio's, but it would just be a celebration. We do these celebrations throughout yeah. the year where we bring in products for maybe eight to ten weeks, and then they're they're in and they're out. And that's I think it's great that you are keeping your eye on that and i oh, thought absolutely. it was awesome that one of your employees again yeah just boom right there and it wasn't like she was reading the you know the script right she was talking from the heart and i thought it was awesome well we're really into it i mean you know we're all about seafood uh, we always visit our suppliers i travel i've traveled all over um i've been down to chile where we get our langostino for our langostino burritos um i've been uh we travel i've been down to um to ecuador and peru where we get a lot of our mahi mahi uh, we our, our shrimp is farm raised. We get it from the southeast. Um, so yeah, I, I've been all over. I've been to Alaska where we get our salmon and our pollock. So but when he, when we people hear and, and I'm not challenging, I'm just asking my own ignorance here. Mm -hmm. When people hear farm raised, you said farm raised shrimp. Right. Doesn't that send a flag to certain communities or no? Uh, well, Versus wild shrimp. I, I really don't no, know the answers here. I, I think we you have to strike the balance between farm raised and wild. You cannot support the demand with wild. Right. Just wild alone. Yeah, and so I think if you, if you use quality farm raised, which we do, of we are only the highest quality. They're they're always certified, uh, BAP certified, best agricultural practice, and we go there and we see the practices, we see the plants, we see the fisheries, and how they pull the seafood out of the water, and so um, and so as long as they're they're quality um, suppliers. You're okay to use yeah. farm raised. I mean, if you go to Whole Foods, and well, I mean, Trader Joe's, it's all. Trader, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm right. buying it all the time. But I just you, know it sends to certain communities, and I'm like, well, yeah, especially in the salmon, right? In, in the, the salmon world, in the southeast. <laughs> yeah, farm, no, farm, no, no, farm raised salmon um, is doesn't have the best connotation or reputation, right? 
um, tilapia, which uh, we use a high quality uh, Regal Springs tilapia that comes from Indonesia. Um, it is the highest quality. It's raised in a clear, clear waters in a volcanic lake. Okay. What? High quality tilapia. That's awesome. But you go to the Southeast. We just entered Florida uh, with eight restaurants. And the connotation around tilapia in, in the Southeast is very different. Farm-raised tilapia, what they, what they know is, 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 is just is, is, it's a low-quality product. Oh, it's a low-quality. Low-quality there. It, so that's how it's perceived. So we don't have it on the menu. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say just the opposite. Yeah, yeah. No, no. So, so, I mean, to your point, I mean, different regions look at farm-raised differently. Interesting. But, um, but we're, we're taking Rubio's, Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, and others. Um, we're promoting farm-raised, you know, as long as it's done appropriately, as long as it's the highest quality. I think that's great. And it's sustainable. Um, why not? Yeah, I agree. Now, for people who aren't familiar with your story, I obviously am. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that you get to a level of how many times can I tell it, but <laughs> yeah. maybe we could really add a little <laughs> extra flair to it, or I can throw some different elements into the Ralph Rubio's tale. But uh, when did the empire, how did this all start? Well, um, growing up in L.A., um, I'd come down through San Diego with my dad, hang out with him on some of his business All trips. All right, where in L.A.? Uh, Carson. I was a South Bay guy. Wow. Carson is near Torrance. Yeah, we, we know Carson especially. You know Carson. You know, yeah. Not in a, in, a, in a great way, right? Not, not, not these last couple of years. But, you know, Carson was kind of cool back then. It was, it was a bedroom community of L.A. My dad was working in Santa Monica. Sure. We had a, a brand new house in Carson. It was a new suburb. Lots of kids running around the That's street. That's rad. Great, great place to grow up. But, um, but I saw San Diego. I drive through San Diego as a kid with my dad. I go, oh, my God, it's always beautiful, beautiful yeah. beaches. I was surfing back then. And so um, I applied to San Diego State to go to college. It's the only school I applied to, which that was wasn't me really too. smart. That was me, too. But um, I, I just wanted to go here so badly. Thank goodness they accepted me. Otherwise, who knows what would have happened. I, would you get in today? I wouldn't get in today. <laughs> I don't think. I wouldn't I, get in today. I was a pretty good high school student. I not might me. have gotten in today, but maybe not. But you it's know? so funny. It wasn't a slam dunk. Because it's very similar. I only applied to San Diego you State. You did? You really? Yeah. Um, and I, I came the from, only one that did that. I, I came from L.A., and I applied only to San Diego. Diego State because I had come down here on a trip with some friends. We went to Mexico, drove right. through San Diego, and I was like, this is the promised land. Paradise. And I applied, and it was the only place I applied, oh, and got so in funny. with that's like so a 2.6 GPA. Yeah. <laughs> Would never get in today. So, yeah, you're so, at SDSU. And I'm a freshman living in Zura dorm. And I lived in Zura. Did you really? What floor? Third floor. I was on third. This is stupid. Uh, okay, this which, is which, stupid now. Was it? Uh, I was in C-Wing. I was in C-Wing. <laughs> That was the one uh, yeah. when you first got off the elevators. It was to the uh, right. That I don't remember. I know it was a C-Wing. C-Wing. Yeah. yeah. That's so I, I, funny. I paused because I was like, wait a second. Did you have it where the guys were on one level and the girls were on the other, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Same thing. See what? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we had a suite at the very, very end. Very end where the TV was. <laughs> Dude. Dude, come on. Uh, this come is stupid. On. All right. That is so funny. Yep. Lived it. Yeah. Those were, those were good times. Golden years, um, my So man. I was there in 73 and uh, some of the upperclassmen said, hey, you got to go down to San Felipe. We're going to eat fish tacos, hang out on the beach on spring break. And I, I hadn't been to San Felipe. I've been to Mexico a little bit, down Ensenada surfing, you know, down there. Sure. Um, San Miguel and such. And, and so we went down there, caravan down, about 20 of us, and camped on the beach just south of town. And, the, and actually, when we drove into town, it was about 10 a.m. because we left early, maybe 5 a.m. from San Diego and uh, had fish tacos for breakfast. Never had a fish taco before, Ugh. but man, I fell in love. I get it. As I sit here, I remember my first fish taco experience. Really? It was so delicious. And not that I was a foodie or anything, but I, I just... 
it was just really compelling to me. It made a great, a great impression. And so but at that time, you couldn't find this in San Diego at all. Well, not really. Old, subsequently, as because I worked in the restaurant business here as a waiter, I started at Old Spaghetti Factory, Hungry Hunter. Got to know the industry, so I would hang out at Saska's a little bit, and oh, they yeah. had a fish taco. I heard that Las Olas up in Cardiff was serving a fish taco. Got it before Rubio's, but other than that, not in a big your real way. introduction was Mexico, was especially San Felipe. Right. And you know, a lot of people get um, have, get them in Ensenada, and it's basically the same recipe. But so, so I discovered fish tacos. I continued to go to school. I was waiting tables, and on one of my maybe my third or fourth trip down with my buddies. Um, I was drinking Coronas at my favorite fish taco stand next to Club Miramar. I don't know if you've ever been to Club no. Miramar in San Felipe. No. But it's like the happening place. They got like two pool tables and a jukebox in yeah. the corner. I never did and the Felipe. I wish on the I floor. did. Oh, it was, that it was passed classic. me. I did, Rosary, I did the Rosarita trips, but Felipe I never did. I wasn't well, Yeah. I wasn't cool enough or something. I wasn't traveling well, with the hot further. enough crowds. I mean, you know, you, you could get a lot of that experience on the, on the Pacific Coast, but right. what's nice about San Felipe it's a small fishing village. It's a little quaint. Yep. At least it was back in the 70s. And they had these beautiful stretches of pristine beaches. And we could just pitch our tent on those beaches. Yeah. And you were right on the water. I'm thinking more spring break, though. And I remember in the 80s, going to San Felipe was like the thing. Oh, is that right? So oh, spring break. I guess break. We, were, we were pioneers. You were. This because, was in the 70s. Yeah, spring break, the 80s, San Felipe, all the fraternities and sororities yeah, would yeah. conglomerate. No, this yeah. wasn't like that. It wasn't, it yeah. wasn't so much like that. And it's it was, not like that now. You know, north of town where a lot of the campgrounds were the frats, the fraternities and the sororities hung out, but we were south of town by right. just maybe five minutes. Um, so anyway, so we're sitting there and I have my epiphany. I go, oh my gosh, you know, these fish tacos are amazing. Here I am surrounded by college students. There's lots of college students in San Diego. Why doesn't somebody or maybe me open a restaurant serving fish tacos so we can have that experience on the north side of the border and I have sure. to drive five hours all the time to have a fish taco. And how old are you at this time when you're having this I was, this I was probably 21 years old. Okay, so on the tail end of your time at San yeah. Diego State. And what were you, were you a business guy at that time? Well, major? I, I started out as a business major, but then I was a bit of a lazy student. Me and too. So I didn't like the my dry accounting classes. But I love my psychology 101 classes. Uh, that's my where intro all the girls to psych. Were. Absolutely, man. Come on. So I signed up. I switched majors my sophomore Smart. year. Psych major, or actually a liberal studies major with an emphasis in psychology. Yeah, I was liberal science with an emphasis on creative writing. Here <laughs> we go, go again. And, Here we go again. And, and I minored in Spanish because I wanted to brush up on my Spanish. I and was so then, not smart enough to do that. So I was on the five-year plan. Um, so I had this notion of opening a restaurant. I was getting all this experience. Long story short, I talked to my dad, who's a really good businessman. And I didn't have any money. And sure. he goes, look, you know, you have this, this, this passion, this vision of opening up a restaurant. I'll finance it. Why don't you get some management experience and learn the back of the house side of the, uh, of the business. And so I, I worked for the Harbor House, became a manager for the peer See, company. that's great because it's not, you know, I have friends over the years who got you know, handouts from their dads or their parents to start bars or restaurants. Right. And Never have I heard the part of the story where the dad says, before I give you the cash, you oh, yeah. go, you figure this out. It's key. It's so important. And so um, so then I did that for about a year and a half. And then he came into some money when he switched up jobs or, or, or positions. And so um, he said, go find a restaurant. So I found... Uh, Mickey's Burgers and Old Orange Julius in Pacific Beach yep, on, Mission right there Bay on Mission Bay Drive. Not too far from 91X, but yep. maybe we'll get into that. And then so uh, my it was a family business. My brothers, my sister were working there. My mom was helping out. We hung up our shingle, Rubio's Fish Taco. 
And so I was graduated by then. I was about five years out of school okay. with my degree. And I continued to wait tables and I was a beach bum. Like I said, I had no money, but I had this love of fish tacos. And so my dad and I partnered 50-50. We opened this restaurant together. And the year was at this 1983, point? 1983, January 25th. Okay, this is before I moved here. Yeah, so we just celebrated our 34th uh, year anniversary. 34 years, man, it's amazing. It makes me feel old. But, um, but anyway, uh, you know, we, we built it. You know, the old adage, build it, they will come. Well, nobody came because no one was really into fish tacos like I thought they would be. Really? Yeah, I was surprised. So it didn't hit. It wasn't. It didn't hit. I was no. under the impression it was wildfire. It wasn't. It took, it took about two years to build a business. If you come to my office, I, I charted the sales by month. And so it starts way down here. You know, I mean, we were doing like $200 a day. And so, but it, then it grew, grew, grew over two years. And then at year two, it just took off. Really? We're getting all this PR. That's when Steve Nagelberg walks in from 91X yep. um, and says, hey, Ralph, you know, I've been coming here eating fish tacos. And he was a sales guy. Yeah, and, over at and he 91X. says, why don't you do a radio campaign? I said, sure, why not? And so that was my first foray into advertising, really, other than wow. the reader. And uh, that really helped. You know? And that was with my old now rest in peace partner brian jones brian jones in fact brian ironically uh was my partner on that we would write copy together i'd go to Amazing. the studio and, and he did he, the voices right quirky he did, dude yes and, <laughs> quirky he did all the voices chatty nelson and, yeah yes. all these characters oh man. my god so there was and you know, one of the reasons i love 91x back Back in the day, I listened to it every day because I would play 91X over the music system I know. in that first restaurant. There was nothing like it, and I, you know, it was like it was like family to me because it was kind of lonely. Because I mean, the, the first, I mean, the first year or so, no one would come in for hours, so Man. it was just me and 91X, just know? hanging in the restaurant. And I, yeah, I'm just hanging and listening to music. And so when Steve, I had this real affinity for the 91x brand when he came in i thought it would be our target customer back then was other college students sure sense we were located in pacific beach and our store we're number a lifestyle two, brand well we we're also location wise we we're san diego state and pb and that's where a lot of 91x listeners were, were yeah. living in, in residence that's where i lived either san diego state or pb I when was i was the same way 18 uh 18 to 30 it was yeah. it was PB. so anyway that's how we started you know i had a fish taco in san felipe and here we are 201 we're, restaurants later yeah it's crazy man and what a freaking awesome story and there were times in there too where through the business trajectory where you kept it in-house then you went corporate and now you brought it back in-house right yeah we were always company owned um okay. I, I, you know we may franchise one day but we we actually went down that route a little bit but we pulled back quickly after about 10 restaurants sure we bought them back because there's more control and when we're you know, we're so much about quality and freshness and i think that if we're owning and operating the restaurants which we do today then we can deliver on that a lot better yeah and so um and so yeah we we've had some different iterations we went public raised money to grow that's from what six, i was thinking of we we had 63 restaurants went public grew to over 150 and then we went private seven years ago. Uh, we took ourselves off the public market, off NASDAQ. And then we reinvented ourselves. We rebranded Rubio's from Rubio's Fresh Mexican that's Grill when to you Rubio's Coastal Grill. And that's when you rehooked me. Because there was yes. a stretch in there where I had, I don't know, I don't even know what happened. Yeah. But I wasn't going as I much. I think the brand got a little tired. Um, it was more competitive. Uh, I think that the marketplace changed dramatically. Yeah. And so we had to... 
when you think about it, the most successful brands are differentiated brands. 100%. And so you need to differentiate yourself. And so we had obviously done that as a fish taco guys because no one else was doing it. Of course. But then after a while, everyone was doing chicken burritos and fish tacos too. Right. You know, there was Chipotle, Baja Fresh, La Salsa, you yeah. name it, right? And so what we just, what we figured about six, seven years ago is we needed to rebrand ourselves, differentiate ourselves again. So that's when we got into more of a focus around grilled seafood, grilled shrimp, yep. the mahi-mahi, et cetera. And the strategies worked uh, wonderfully. It's been Man, great. and you're on the East Coast uh, in Florida now? Yeah. So what's that? that? Okay, so before that, have you ever been in New York? No, would love to, though. I love New York. Oh, and you got to get Ru there. Rubio's in Manhattan would just Come kill on. It. it would kill it. I know. I think so, so is Florida kind of the first East Coast market then? Yeah, and that was kind of opportunistic. Um, late last year, uh, we had the opportunity to purchase eight restaurants from a chain that wasn't doing so well. Oh, okay. And uh, and so we took them over to convert them. And so we're, we've converted seven of the restaurants. We're in Miami. We're in Orlando. We're Tampa. And what's the we're response all the back state. east? Are it's they... been really good. It's been really good. Um, is it different for them or are they used to the fish taco part of my ignorance culture you in know Florida? I, I think uh, we you know we did our homework first and I think that a lot of there's there's a propensity towards seafood in Florida as you can imagine because of know, course got, coastal it's coastal and so that's helped a lot um, I, I, I was just back there a few weeks ago and you talk to the, our guests and you just observe and they're very fluent and comfortable in the Rubio's environment. Yep. We just need to build brand awareness. A lot of people just have no idea what yeah, Rubio's yeah, of course. is. But the people who are in the restaurant, they're enjoying it immensely. How cool. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Because I remember when I first came down here in the mid 80s, my experience with Mexican food was Taco Bell. Mm -hmm. Del Ta that's all I knew was Taco Bell. Then I came down here, went to San Diego State. You had the restaurant right there on campus. Which number restaurant was that? Number two. Number two. Number two introduced me to the fish taco. Yeah. And I just remember how it blew my mind <laughs> calling my friends up in Los Angeles. You're not going to freaking believe what I just right. had. Yeah. And you're like, what? And they, and they couldn't even acquit and put it all together. Right. But a Corona and Rubio's was so... Oh. That was the fragment of just my... That was the narrative of my life yes, in San Diego. Yes, yes. From Corona's and fish tacos, I yeah, can relate. eighteen uh, mid twenties, man. Yeah. Just I can't and, you know, even and, tell and, you. And it, it's it's timeless. I mean, you know, thirty some years later for me, or forty years really since San Felipe, it's still an amazing. I feel experience. the same way, and that's why even with this platform that we started with you online, and I haven't really even told you about it, it's. Uh, it's all based on what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Literally, my verticals on my website are surf, snow, and skate, lifestyle, <laughs> right, sports, sure. music, craft beer, uh -huh. cannabis, because word has it that's a growing industry, <laughs> pun intended, yeah. and the last category is Mexican food. Oh, I love and, that. And those man. are the categories. And people uh, have said to me, you're not going to grow that out and do food? I'm like, no. Mexican food. There you go. That's it. I love it. So this will fall. This podcast will actually fall into our Mexican food category as we build that out with contributors, and oh. we're still looking for them. That's a little nod out there if anyone's interested. So That's what do you have cool. going on right now at Rubio's? Well, you know, uh, tomorrow's National Burrito Day. I know. you didn't know that. I do. And so at Rubio's, we're doing this really cool thing. If you go to rubio's.com, you print off a, a little coupon, and you can go to any of our restaurants that are participating, which is most of them, certainly all of them in San Diego, I believe, and you get any burrito for five bucks. Okay. So any our shrimp and bacon burrito, bur a burrito especial with chicken or steak. Five uh, bucks. Five That's bucks, it? man. Yeah, you got it. Awesome. You got to take advantage. We haven't ever done this deal before, and it's good not just for tomorrow but for Friday as well. Okay, so 
Thursday and Friday, because I'm going to post this yes. today, you go into Rubio's and you can get $5 burritos. Yeah, go to rubios.com first and print off that. Okay, coupon. so you have to print it out yeah. first. Got it. You may have to join our beach club, but that's really easy. It just takes a few seconds. and Cool. Yeah. Now tell me, now that I'm working over at 1090, I have to ask a couple of sports-related <laughs> questions because I do want to take segments of this podcast and sure. share it to my new 1090 audience. So that being said, are you a sports guy? Where do you fall in the sports that's, world? That's interesting. Ralph Rubio. I've evolved. And, me too. Uh, you know, growing up in L.A., big-time Dodger Laker fan. And, uh, in fact, when I moved down here, it took a while to, you know, transition to become that Padre fan, you know, the Padre-Dodgers game because it was – Dodgers were in my blood. I know. and uh, But now, you know, professional sports are so driven by the money and stuff. Um, I'm less about NFL, NBA, et cetera. Um, I'm a soccer fan now. And are so, you? Yeah, so I follow the English Premier League. I'm, I'm a soccer nut. I play soccer. I, I watch it. And, uh, and that's kind of my thing. I'm an Arsenal fan, which is a London club. I follow them. So when it comes to this whole dialogue right now in San Diego about the MLS coming to town... Do you yeah, have? Do you? How do you feel about that? Is that? I, a, I, don't, I don't. It know. seems like it's a political and a real hotbed issue. Yeah. But I'm pretty ignorant in that space. So I'm. Uh, you know, as an SDSU alum, uh, I think part whatever that should be the priority to expand the SDSU campus. I agree with you. So to me, that's number one. Um, if we can fill, fit in an MLS franchise in there, I'm all for it. I think uh, soccer is continues to grow in America. MLS is getting better and better in terms of the quality of play. Um, so I, I would love to see MLS be successful here. Yeah, uh, but it's SDSU first. I know <laughs> I'm the same way, and I do. I don't understand what the disconnect is. I truly, truly don't. Oh yeah. Well, I just think that you know the, the, what we need to do is just take a deep breath and, and have competing plans. There's all sorts of amazing developers um, in San Diego who could come up with good plans and where they, they can just work pick together. the best one. Exactly. It just seems like there are sides and I don't understand why there are sides when it should be a no, relationship I, and where, I, and I that think betters well, the As community. long as we give ourselves space and time, we can come up with a plan that works for everybody. Were you involved in the whole Chargers thing at all? Or were you like, uh, no, I just, you know, I'm, I'm a Charger fan. I know a lot of my friends are and huge. Well, I, I, I grew up an L.A. Rams fan as, yeah. a, as a little kid. <laughs> I was so, on the Raiders. It, 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 I was a Raiders interestingly, fan Interestingly, even you know, till recently, I followed them when they were in St. Louis. I think it's really cool that, that they're, they're in back. L.A. I know. And that's going to be an amazing stadium. Not they're going to share that with the Chargers. But yeah, I was a Chargers-Rams fan. For I'd follow them both equally. I think it's, it's tragic that they've left. Me too. Uh, but I think San Diego is kind of a weird sports town. You know, I mean, I used to go to Clippers games when we had the NBA, NBA back here when I was in college, I think. And that didn't last. You know, yeah. this 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 town is a bit fickle I about know. supporting, because you know we're, we have a, a lot of other interests. You know, we we don't like to just spectate. We like to actually go and play. I, this is the land of. Remember when you were a kid and it was like you felt guilty if you gave somebody a soft answer because you never wanted to give hard answer. I, I'll put, let me put it this way. San Diego to me is like you never want to commit or give a hard answer because you're always looking at something better. Like <laughs> yeah, something better could be happening, <laughs> right. or you would never, yeah, you know, yeah. you'd give I a, know exactly you'd, what you mean. You would never give a hard commitment right. just in case something better came along. Because the surf along. might come up, and you may want to go exactly. surfing, or you might want to go to Rubio's and slam a couple exactly. of beers and fish tacos. No, that you know that's the mentality. That's very it is. much part of this town, and, and it's so, the same thing with concerts. I've noticed sports and concerts where people don't want to commit to the. La they're like, oh, concerts. It's a walk-up right. town. The yes. reason is, is I don't want to buy tickets now for something happening in August because between now and then something rad could show up on the radar exactly. that I want to do more. Yeah, I think there's really something to it. And so I think that's a cautionary note yeah. for anybody who tries to bring a I franchise agree. in here. 
All right, my last question for you, because I know you, we share a love for mezcal. And, and I was wondering if you could uh, tell us your favorite right now brand of and maybe. Oh, gosh, you know, I, my mezcal days are a bit behind me. Are they? Honestly, Chris, yeah. Not even you, you're sipping have a to, little bit? Yeah, every, on occasion. But you're going to have to help me. You tell me what your favorite brand is. I, I don't really. I That's why I was asking you, because there's a place in my community that's um, right on Adams Avenue I, yeah. on 30th called Cantina Mahawel, Mayawel, I, I'm terrible, part of my gringo ways here, but they have an amazing tequila selection. And I oh, always gosh. go in there and I'm intimidated and I don't know what to order. Well, then maybe you and I need to go in there okay. together. <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> now, let, let's get All educated. Right. There, there's a, a Don McGay brand, I think, that is um, supposed to be incredible. A friend okay. of mine, um, a friend of mine, we, we spent some time in Mex near Mexico City together, actually, or, or Oaxaca. And this and this guy was there, Ron, who's the founder and the creator of this mezcal, and he was telling us about his process and how they they they, they took cook the tequila on the or the agave on the on the flame and they or they bury it, you know, and it's just amazing this process to deliver this really nice toasted flavor mezcal. And how cool! Yeah, yeah. What's we, the name of it again? Drink. Don McGay. I Don believe. McGay. Yeah. All Don right. McGay. Okay. Then since that question wasn't a good one. My last question will be your favorite Mexican restaurant in town other than your own. <laughs> That's a rough one, man. I tell you what. Just, I have to put you on the spot you somehow. Know, uh, you know, we, we lived in Solana Beach for the longest time when our kids were growing up. So we'd go to Tony Hacal's and we still go there in Eden Gardens. Okay. There's Tony's and Fidel's. And we just started going to Tony's. And I love their, their uh, Chile Verde okay. or their Chile Colorado. And they do a really good chicken mole as well. So. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Ralph Rubio, thank you for coming on, Cantori, and you. Appreciate you, man. You're part of the fabric of this community. Thanks, Chris. And I enjoyed I'm it. proud to call you a friend. All right, my friend. Thank you.